Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. KCBS Radio, original podcasts. A few blocks away from UC Berkeley, near the bustling intersection of Shattuck and University Avenues, is a small, humble bookstore. To the right of M, a popular Thai street food restaurant that sees long, hungry lines, you'll see in the window posters that read Yellow Peril supports Black Power and Asians for Black Lives. In between the posters are books like Redress, the inside story of the successful campaign for Japanese-American reparations. And next to the books, small handwritten signs that say poetry 30% off and clearance $5 at back of store. Inside, the emptying shelves of one of the first Asian-American bookstores in the country. This is Eastwind Books of Berkeley, and it's closing after 41 years in business. From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mallory Samara, and this is Bay Current. Harvey Dong is the co-owner of Eastwind Books of Berkeley, along with his wife, Beatrice Dong. He also teaches at UC Berkeley in the Asian American and Asian Diaspora Studies program in the Ethnic Studies Department. But Harvey isn't just a bookstore owner or just a teacher. He's quite literally a living Bay Area legend in the activism world. Uh, yeah, I, I was um, actually one of the uh, student strikers here at UC Berkeley when uh, the TWLF strike began in 1969 following the lead of the uh, SF State uh, TWLF strike, which began in 1968. So I took part in establishing uh, some of the first classes taught here in ethnic studies, Asian American studies. A piece of history you may or may not know about unless you had a Filipino-American radical mother or took Asian American studies in college like I did is about the International Hotel in San Francisco. It was home to a couple hundred Filipino immigrants, mostly men and seasonal farm workers, until it was demolished for a parking garage. If you want to learn more about it, the documentary The Fall of the I Hotel, written and directed by Curtis Choi, is a good watch. But the very public fight and protests against developers is an incredibly important part of Bay Area and Asian diaspora history here. The I-Hotel and the surrounding blocks were known as Manila Town and provided a community for those so far from their home country. The several blocks surrounding the I-Hotel would see destruction, too. There were restaurants, other low-income housing, clubs, barbershops, and inside the I-Hotel was everybody's bookstore, the first Asian-American bookstore in the nation. Well, Harvey, he co-founded it. 
The first Asian American bookstore was actually uh, everybody's bookstore, which uh, you can say was an outgrowth of the uh, Third World Strike Ethnic Studies movement. And that bookstore opened in um, January 1970. Uh, <clears throat> about 10 people who were part of the AAPA, Asian American Political Alliance, opened that bookstore, one of the, um, the last uh, of the projects of AAPA. And <clears throat> we ran that bookstore from 1970 all the way up to the late uh, uh, 70s, 79 or so. And that bookstore closed down, but it had a big impact in changing the uh, conservative environment in the uh, Chinatown community in San Francisco. We'll fast forward a couple of decades. My wife and I purchased uh, Eastwind Books from Eastwind Books and Arts, which began in 1977. It opened the Ber- Berkeley branch in 1980. Two. It operated for about 14 years, and then we purchased it, and we <clears throat> we tweaked as far as the books and the focus. It became more of an Asian American uh, studies, Asian American literature, ethnic studies, ethnic studies literature uh, bookstore, which was much different than the original Eastwind Books of Art, Books and Art which focus uh, more on Chinese language materials and um, U.S.-China relations. So it's much different, yeah. Um, Why close Eastwind Books now? It's 2023. What has happened that has spread this this, uh, new chapter in your life for you? Well, we've been fighting rent increases. The gentrification is happening very rapidly. And we know that we're a legacy bookstore, but at the same time, it's difficult to survive um, given that much of the uh, book sales uh, has has been changed, you know, as far as online buying has been on more the norm now mm-hmm. compared to when we first uh, started. So when the lease ended, <clears throat> we made the decision that we ourselves would focus Uh, more on publishing some online sales, and we wanted to continue events uh, in the community. So there's a number of events that are planned post Eastwind Books of Berkeley store. Yeah. Yeah, Your your store itself is closing, but the community itself will still live on. Yeah, yeah. Because I know there's been an outpouring of interest and support and and sadness over um, this change. And um, <clears throat> we, we do understand that, but then at the same time, we, we want to be able to uh, uh, do things another way or go in another direction at this point. Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, I guess, what your, what your aim has been with this brick and mortar here? Well, essentially, our, our aim has been to encourage critical thinking, encourage people to, to voice themselves and um, and also inspire people through uh, people's writings and poetry because off of that uh, people begin to think more outside the box. I, I was just thinking back on the <clears throat> on the way over here that when everybody's bookstore opened in San Francisco Chinatown, it was a very conservative um, environment, largely having to do with 
McCarthyism having hit the community extremely hard. And the opening of everybody's bookstore changed that uh, tremendously. When we took over the operations in 1996, it was also a conservative environment with the uh, racial wedge politics in California, the uh, the Prop 209, anti-affirmative action and anti-immigrant uh, rights uh, type issues. And what we wanted to do was to create a, a, a space where uh, these type of topics can be discussed and people can talk about how they feel about the world. And oftentimes uh, through literature, through poetry, is one of the best mediums. Uh, people come together, they, they create anthologies. Uh, we had uh, one, one of the first Vietnamese American anthologies, Watermark, and that was held here. Very large attendance uh, from the community. Later, we even helped publish with the Filipino American National Historical Society this book uh, titled uh, Beyond Lumpia, uh, Pansit and Semanang's Wild. And then that was an anthology of Filipino American writings. About 40 people participated in that one. And we're, we're really ha happy to have published it. So publishing is, is something that we definitely see a need for, and also um, having events that promote new works and authors. That's another thing that we see the need for. So now that you are moving to this new chapter in your life, I know that you'll be still focusing on community events and publishing and things like that. But um, what is it, you know, what's another thing that you're looking forward to the most? Well, I, I, I'll still be uh, teaching for sure. And I, I see, I'm a, a lecturer at UC Berkeley. And so I don't have time to do my own writing. Although I do write, but more with regards to like essays and submissions, you know, that type of things. You know, when people need something written about the Asian American movement, I, I've been writing about those types of topics. But so hopefully I, I would have more time to, to deal with that. And then uh, personally, we're like in our 70s, both of us. <laughs> and, and, uh, 70 years young. <laughs> yeah. So, so we wanted to also see what we can do, you know, as far as, um, well, we have to take care of our uh, grandkids. Our, our own parents are in their 90s. My dad's actually 102. Wow. What, what a long and, wow, what a, what a full life, huh? Yeah. So, so all these things uh, take time. And so when the the thought of continuing the lease for another five years, um, it, it didn't seem like it was possible at this moment, yeah, because of those other responsibilities. All, all good things must uh, come to an end or, I guess, come into a, a new form in somehow anyway, right? Yeah. Well, th well things do reach an end point, you know, in, in terms of the organizations that I've been involved in, AAPA, uh, Asian Community Center. I was also part of this, uh, the collective that ran Asian Community Center and AAPA. It was called Wei Min, which means to serve the people. We were inspired by the Black Panther Serve the People programs. And, and, and in China, they had Serve the People programs. So that was like a, 
a huge thing. Um, so we were inspired by all that. But then at the same time, those organizations did reach an end point. But when they reached an end point, you always have to think, well, what's going to be the next step, next chapter? You know, because nothing um, ends, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always struggle, you know, in life. Yeah. And rebirth and things like that. Yeah. And learning from younger generations and also learning from um, new people who become active. I took some time after my interview with Harvey to browse Eastwind Books. A lot of people were coming in and out, buying books, expressing their sadness to see such an institution close its doors. The children's section was almost empty, a once meaty brick and mortar now showing its bones. Harvey got my attention once again. Mark Ramos. Hi. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. Oh, I know a lot of them An old ethnic studies student of his was in town from L.A. He said that over the years, whenever he was back in the Bay Area, he'd stop by the store, but that Harvey was usually not there. This time, he was. I went to school at UC Berkeley in 2001. Um, Harvey's classes really politicized me, and this became a space... Uh, for us to have access to books that we couldn't get to regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, at that, in 2001, we were fighting for, uh, to get a permanent Filipino history professor uh, at UC Berkeley, and this was one of the spaces that were able to provide us the, the books and the history that we were fighting for that wasn't permanently taught at UC Berkeley. But spaces like this gave us access to that type of history that we all wanted to be permanent there. And I'm really sad that this space is going because as a a young person, um, not having access to my history, this was like one of the pillars for us to be able to, to learn about us from our point of view and not from a white European point of view. And something else I was discussing with him in my interview was just how, uh, like, the importance of people writing these stories and oh, telling these stories yes. because I'm Filipino as well, and we're talking about the Manong and the Manong generations and how our ancestors, our grandparents, didn't always want to talk about the things that they went exactly. through, and so we had to rely on researchers, we had to rely on writers and seek out that information because yes. it wasn't really taught to us and they, they didn't always freely tell us about it. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's important that we, we do write and tell our stories because we don't want our stories to be changed in ways that are not authentic to our experience. And I think it's important that activists, young people, right from our perspective, um, so that it's it's a true, like, a real perspective from the people on the ground rather than, like, an outsider coming in to do some, like, sociological research and it's not really part of the community. And if, if we don't write it, those histories are, will be lost in the wind. I wish I could fit in everything I've learned about Harvey Dong and his storied life, but I cannot. To read more about him, check out Iris Kwok's piece on the store and on Harvey's life in Berkeley Side. For more Bay Area stories, subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, 
from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 